So this is another episode in which my notes started off as, oh god, oh god, oh god, oh god, oh god. Um, we finally see uh, the return to the cost of living planet. Uh, I don't know why Star Trek keeps insisting that, like, carnival Harlequin shit is entertaining in the future, but it's not in 2017. So, so what I'm getting from you is that you did not like the thaw. Um, I, 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 there are better episodes of Voyager out there. I, I, I will admit that that this is one of my, th- this is a personal favorite, really? of, of mine. Yes, and okay. I think we'll have a good conversation <laughs> because. Well, a couple of reasons. I think number one, uh, uh, it reminds me of an original series episode. Yeah, uh, I can in a see lot that. of ways, it, it's very self-contained. It's very colorful. It's very surreal. Uh, it, it is telling a very, very particular uh, story about a, a kind of moral that I'm not sure the episode quite gets to, but but that's okay. Um, I also think that Michael McKean is fantastic in it. Uh, he plays the clown, so there you go. Um, you seem like you don't know who Michael McKean is. I don't remember. It's Canadian comedian, uh, <laughs> probably um most well known for being on. Uh, I think he was on SCTV. Uh, he was. I'm trying to think of like what he was in that you would know. Well, anyway, he was in this. He was. He was in this. He was a kind of a get for the show. Um, he's he's kind of a big deal. He's he's probably most famous now. Uh, for playing uh, uh, Jimmy McGill's brother, otherwise known as Saul Goodman on Better uh, Call Saul. Um, anyway, he's a he's a pretty you know like okay. he's one of those actors, and I think he does a great job. And and also I don't know I just I think this episode is entertaining. Now you say okay, well they don't really they they seem to be under the it's, impression that the sort of Cirque du Soleil carnival atmosphere is entertaining. Me? And and I kind of disagree with you. I think that in this episode it's supposed to be very off putting. Well, because here's the thing: maybe I just hate circus imagery because I mean, looking at it, it is very creepy done it's very well everything's well choreographed and stuff like that like the direction on it is very well done i just i get maybe this is a personal uh, i'm beginning to realize i just find circus imagery very off-putting isn't even the reason it's just like it's like if they went into the holodeck and it was all people auditing tax forms like that it's the equivalent of that i just find it mind-numbingly Oh, you want me to watch this? Okay. And I don't know why this is. Well, I mean, we 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 could grapple with your own, you know, personal psyche, you know, at some point. But I I mean, I'm I'm kind of with you. I mean, I certainly have those things too. Yeah. I I don't like gangster stuff. Yeah, I don't yeah, like yeah. mob stuff. And and so it's really difficult for me to engage with um Peace. that that sort of thing. You know, I I did not like the Sopranos for for example. I I found it to be um very boring and I got the point of the show. Uh, uh, after about the first season. These are horrible people. We didn't need to have that beaten into our heads for seven seasons. Um, you know, I'm not a big fan of The Godfather. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. can look at it and say it's very well done, but it just doesn't engage with me. I find it fun. I find I find mafia stuff fundamentally boring. And so, yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, you find circus stuff <laughs> fundamentally boring, and that's okay. I mean, I don't necessarily... I've never been to the circus. I don't know anything about the circus. I have never been to Cirque du Soleil. I can look at it and say it's very Every well time done. People are, are very... like, you should go to Cirque du Soleil. I'm like, fuck you. No, I'm sorry. We're... I'm sh- I'm sure it's very well done. And these are very, very talented people. But yeah, I don't really I'm not really interested in going now. But but I think that that all of this is I don't not, know, because yeah. I don't think that's the point of this. Yeah. Episode. And, and, and and no. And it's true. The more thematic things i mean what's going on with the doctor in this episode all of those and yes to talk about it on a larger thematic level i do like what it's doing on a larger thematic level well we'll talk about what you think it's doing on a larger thematic level then. well i mean this is i guess with the uh, i'd like to talk about the doctor first because this is that escalation i think i said Initially, like, oh, they're going to give him more run of the planet. He's going to start to do away missions. This is this is an, another iteration of the away mission. This is him going even further afield. He's not 
you know, th- this is not just an illusion or something he's dealing with on the ship. This is going into a completely alien system now. Um, and I like how badass the doctor is getting. Yeah, I mean, this is certainly uh, uh, the clearest indication yet, I think, that the doctor has come a long way from from Heroes and Demons, for example, right? Where he was bumbling and, and not very good at, at being on an away mission, frankly. And, and in this episode, he is much more sure of himself. He is much more self-assured. And, and he is able to engage with the clown uh, on a level of, I think, I would say intellectual curiosity but not you know he's not really getting wrapped up in this and of course yes part of that is he knows he is safe and secure and that he is not captured into the system as harry kim and the other uh uh, aliens of the week are but yeah i i like the way that he handles himself in this episode quite a bit and i think that he is slowly revealing himself to be an extremely competent doctor an extremely competent person who has emotions and feelings but but doesn't let him can doesn't let them control him and that you know we we don't really know yet like what what happened to him if he was put into a situation that he could actually be injured or hurt i mean we haven't seen that before so it may be an entirely different experience there's a there's sort of a a, a, almost an arrogance to the doctor that i find kind of refreshing because You know, uh, 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 you know, 24th century Star Trek is is kind of filled with people that that are perfect and have no arrogance. So it, it's nice to see that kind of character in a way. He's starting to get very comfortable in his own quote unquote skin. I mean, there there, there is it's almost throwaway, but when they're suggesting to the clown, oh well, we can make okay, you know, I, I we can make you a computer and you can li- live in it. That's exactly what I do and what I am, and it's great and. Uh, He's saying, oh, no, 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 that won't do. It's, you know, not the same. And the doctor's a little annoyed at that. He feels, you know, slightly insulted because, well, what the hell is wrong with just being a computer person? Like, it's great. You know, if only you weren't so wussy about it, you could be a computer person, too, and we'd all be happy. Yeah, we could have lunch together and you know, <laughs> t- talk about talk about the nature of fear. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I mean, well, part of the... Part of the fundamental thing that I think we have to grapple with this episode is is the clown. I mean, so much rides on this character and the performance and whether or not you find this character engaging. And and I don't know. I mean, I I buy into it. I find the character engaging. It it doesn't maybe it sounds like you don't and maybe that's part of why you don't like this episode as much as I do. I, I mean I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's kind of the implication I'm getting. He's an okay villain, but yeah, it is maybe it is the TOSness of it, because you're right, he is kind of a very abstract character. He is a essentially a rogue AI that's created from feelings of fear and anxiety, and he's taking the form of a clown and I mean, in many ways, they are trying to – I guess it's Janeway who most directly deals with the concept of how does one deal with fear in this episode, right? Like Harry Kim, while he gets subjected a little bit to you know the surgery threat and stuff like that, it's not about him figuring out how to conquer fear. It's – because I think fear is felt, felt most strongly within Janeway. She is the person who – the show has made very clear time and time again. It has these, you know, 100, 150 people who she is directly responsible for getting home. Her decision made them, you know, put them in the situation and she has to do everything she can to get them out. She is dealing with some extraordinarily heavy burdens. And so fear and anxiety is a state under which she must live all of the time. Um, and as we will see in Tuvix, the weight of command does fall very heavily upon her. Uh, out of everybody on the show, she it has, I guess, the strongest authority with how to deal with fear. And her understandings of the end on why someone would choose fear in a roller coaster ride, what the uses of fear are as a way of mastering one's fear. Again, I think she's the one who has the most authority in in understanding that and i frankly find her journey in this episode the most interesting uh and it's kind of one of the less important parts of it 
Yeah, I, I, I guess I wonder about why you think that's more interesting than what's going on. Because, yeah, like Janeway doesn't have a lot to do in this episode. And, and the final, like I like Janeway. I think yeah. she's a really interesting character. And I think that, that I don't know, I, I, I'm finding that I like Janeway more than I used to. But I also feel like there is a... There is a bit of a recklessness to her that I think, I don't know. It just, I'm not trying to compare her to other captains necessarily because I don't think that that maybe is that fruitful because we've never seen those other captains in the sort yeah. of extraordinary circumstances that, that Janeway finds herself in. But I don't know. I keep coming back to that thing about when she tells Bilana to go ahead and, you know, you know, do the do the techno babble about getting them out of there, and it it ends up with one of the aliens dying, and and she goes, okay, stop. You know, you've won. Uh, I don't know that that doesn't seem like. I mean, in, in a certain sense, I guess it's it's a subversion of the Star Trek idea that we can solve these problems with some sort of techno babble, and everything will be fine. And and it does end up with the death of someone, but. Yeah. I think I just keep coming back to the 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 idea that like you know Janeway has already had like a lot of people die on her watch and yeah like, I don't know I, there there's something going on here that I, I I can't really put my finger on perhaps because we haven't had enough evidence yet but well no there, here's, there's just like a recklessness to her or something I, I don't know um Janeway might be a minor captain who has unfortunate has found herself in a situation a little above her grade, right? Like Voyager was not is not the flagship. Voyager is not the um is not the enterprise. Um in some ways she might be similar to obviously higher in rank than Cisco was, but I think a similar career track in which she is, you know, going to get a ship, it's going to have its missions and it's going to be fine. She's going to do extremely well. Her crew will do extremely well. She is an extraordinarily good officer. She's not going to make Admiral. That's fine. Um, and she, <laughs> oh, is that what happens? Well, I mean, it's it, it's like we, uh, we we said this in Harry Kim in San Francisco. You know, maybe at the top before Voyager, he wasn't qualified to be a ship engineer, but due to his experiences, now he is. Um, Maybe initially due to, you know, in, in the initial Janeway living in the Alpha Quadrant and working in the Alpha Quadrant would not have been pushed to this particular, to to the level that she is going to eventually be pushed to. But I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe I'm just trying to go off of what you're saying and, you know, find some justification. I don't know. Um no, no, I, I think I, I understand what you're saying because, yeah, you're right. Like, I think that there is a certain element to which... Uh, uh, Janeway is the captain of this random ship yeah. that just happened to find itself in this very precarious position. And, you know, we don't know how long she was a captain before this. We we don't really know what her background is. We don't have a lot of understanding of her, I think, as a Starfleet officer. We, we don't know what her history is. And yeah. so in, in a way that we kind of we knew even in the pilot of of deep space nine where cisco was coming from yeah. you know he was a he served on a ship that was destroyed at one of the worst battles of of starfleet in the past i don't know 50 years or something i mean this was a very traumatic moment for him as his wife died and you know he and his son are now going off and they have to do this horrible job at this rundown space station that's in the backwater and and so we kind of knew that. And he also like had this idea about him wanting to leave Starfleet, all these kind of things. I think in a certain sense, like Janeway, we don't have a good sense of her. She is a little bit of a black box. Maybe that's to the show's credit. And I think, you know, talking about it specifically with the Thaw, you know, she does end up coming up with a good yeah. plan. And, and she does get everyone else out. I just think that they're... I don't know. On the one hand, I kind of say it's kind of admirable that the show lets her fail. But on the other hand, I say, do we want to see her fail? Well, we're kind of... Voyager is one... Is essentially when Picard and company pick up a distress call and they meet up with the other ship and, oh, Captain Picard, it's so good to see you. We've been dealing with this situation. You know, some of our crew have died. We're hanging on by a thread here. That's Voyager. That's... 
Captain Janeway is one of those secondary captains that just appears and needs help from the Enterprise, and the Enterprise is not here. Uh, nobody can save them, and she is having to rise to this occasion. Yeah, I, I, I think that's true. I mean, because let, let's let's grapple with her decision to let them go into the artificial environment. Like, that was a bad decision. Yeah. And yes, of course, you're not going to have an episode without that decision. But, you know, fundamentally speaking, hooking up two of your senior officers uh, to an alien machine that you don't really know anything yeah. about. Uh, and, and as it turns out, that was a bad decision because of what's going on in this artificial environment. Uh, so, yeah, you get it. They're explorers. They're trained. They they know that they could die at any time. But But you don't. But they don't want to die you know, unnecessarily. As, yeah. Well, right. Exactly. Like as a command officer, you 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 know that you have that ultimate responsibility to order someone to their death if need be. But you don't want to do it needlessly, yeah. and you don't want to do it uh, on a whim. And it just seems to me like, eh, why not? Let's do it. Like, how how bad could it be? And as it turns out, it is bad. <laughs> well, especially again, the doctor goes in at one point. Why? Uh, you would think that. Okay, these people are in this computer simulation. Two of them have died. There are there are some medical issues there. Well, let's get the computer man into there and he can also ask them any questions that might help lead to figuring out how to deal with them medically. Like that would make the most sense and we can pull him out anytime we need to. We'll add some safeguards. Like why don't they start with him for the virtual missions? Well, I, I I think fundamentally speaking, the reason why they don't start with him is because Janeway still forgets he exists. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, she's still startled when he pops up on the TV and says, well, I've been monitoring what you've been saying. And I think that this, you know, uh, correct thing is what we should do. And it turns out he's correct. Uh, so I don't think that she thinks yeah. about the doctor as much oh. and until they're faced with a situation where they need to rely on him. So. And, you know, we'll talk about the doctor in, in Tuvix as well, because he has an interesting arc in that episode. But I think it is the case where I don't know that Janeway likes the doctor. And yeah. I think that on a fundamental level, she she still doesn't think he's a real person. Yeah, I, she does, I guess, kind of find him off-putting. Certainly very good at his job, but it has taken her a while to... Janeway has been very open-minded anytime the doctor asks for something a little more when... When he asks, for example, early on for the ability to turn his own program on and off, um, she acquiesces very, very readily. She, When he asks to be treated with more dignity, she realizes, oh, yes, that was bad of me, and she adjusts herself accordingly, and that is very admirable, and that is to her credit. But she never makes the overtures herself. He's the one who always asks to ask – always has to ask her to – it's the kind of thing that I am attuned to as a gay man with thinking about the way that, um, again, rights in general have to be asked for. Tolerance has to be asked for and demanded, and we have to educate the straights and all of those kind of things. I think within the Doctor and Janeway dynamic, there is there is some of that as – and I, I don't know. She needs to be – pushed a little more towards getting the doctor, even as the doctor himself is realizing that he wants more every so often, that he deserves yeah, no, more. I, yeah, no, I think that's true, and I think this episode is another example of that. So, so I mean, leaving, leaving that aside, though, I, I think that I, I do want to grapple a little bit more with um, the, the setting of the episode, because... You know, I think one of the reasons why I like it so much is because it does have that very surrealist yeah. quality and because it is a bit experimental. I, I like that kind of thing generally, even if it's not completely successful. And, you know, it's interesting because we're we're uh, in two days we're releasing uh, our, our episode tuning in um, on uh, Humbug, the X-Files episode, which is also kind of interesting for being experimental and kind of uh, uh, changing that that show's dynamic to a large degree and kind of being the demarcation point for for what the X-Files eventually becomes in later seasons and the thought is not that like you know the the, the the voyager does not become uh you know sort of visually or or stylistically experimental in this way this is very much a one-off um i think that that voyager in general is is more experimental than it's given credit for but it, it certainly is not to to this degree okay. at least in terms of the visual style or sort of the surrealistic elements of this episode but 
I don't know. I think it's refreshing. I think it's a nice change of pace, and and it's well done. It is always nice to see something that looks very different. Yeah, the uh, like last week when we were talking about Deadlock, I was saying you know this is as generic of a Voyager episode as you can get. Right? They're dealing with they're on the ship. They're dealing with a problem that they ended up causing themselves through techno babble and. You know, we're just seeing the ship be destroyed. It looked like any any Voyager episode, any random scene. This looks only like itself. It's true. Yeah, I mean, wh- whatever else you can say about the Thaw, this is not a generic looking episode, and this is not a generic plot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there there is something fundamental though about the 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 choice of this episode to be specifically about fear and about emotion and about controlling it because i don't know i'm i'm finding that voyager is is very interested in questions of emotion and mm. it, 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 in kind of a way that i think is is setting it apart from uh uh the other star trek shows that we've talked about you know TNG was full of very competent people that that certainly had emotions, but that was not the primary force except for Data. DS9 was very much not about emotion in the way. I think that this show is really about people that are at the, the end of their rope or getting to the end of their rope and having to deal with that. And and this is kind of a similar thing where it's grappling with this question of fear and specifically, you know, how much is too much and yeah. and can we really deal with it and you know i think that the episode doesn't really come to to any sort of resolution doesn't really have an answer to the question but i i, I think it's interesting that the show is is going there and is doing it in such a surreal way i th- this is not an episode that i i can't see this episode working on another star trek show mm. Yeah, uh, uh, I mean, the enter the the TNG Enterprise again was never pushed quite to the end of their rope in this way. And if in DS Nine, if Cisco and company were placed in some extraordinarily extreme situations, it was more about the uh, the moral and strategic responses to that. Something such as again in the pale moonlight is then put it put into a very extreme situation and about dealing with the moral compromises that may need to be made in the situ- in, in the situation of a of a total war. Uh Voyager is more I guess concerned with why are these people not snapping? What is causing them to not succumb to all of the emotions which we know are very much there. Everybody in the situ nobody in the situation quite wants to be there. Even people like Neelix, who seem to be the most happy in Voyager than as in other situations, it's still not quite home. These are people who are wandering around aimlessly and who are very uh, who on any given week are close to everybody on the ship dying and being completely forgotten, right? And yeah. People like Tuvok are dealing with this using extreme uh, spiritual disciplines in order to. Um, People like Neelix and Kess are using their work or their companionship to get past it. Uh, But at the end of the day, every single person on Voyager is dealing with a voice that is not that dissimilar from this clown telling them, you know, to give up, succumb to the fear. And why are they not? Yeah, I, I think that's right, and and you know the other the other part of that, of course, is, is Harry Kim. Uh, mm-hmm. We haven't talked about him at all, but and I don't think there's much to say about Harry Kim. Once again, <laughs> sadly, uh, you know, it, it could have been anybody really, but but I think it is just the case where I, I'm starting to realize, and I think this is something you said in, in a previous episode that Harry Kim is just sort of the stand-in for yeah. you know the generic competent Starfleet officer. And that once again, Harry Kim is the generic competent Starfleet officer. He's been trained to die. He's been trained to not succumb to emotion and he does his job admirably. And at the end of the episode, he's fine again. I mean, the only thing that we really learn about Harry Kim in this episode is that he, uh, uh, as the, the clown says, Harry doesn't like to feel helpless. Well, who does? Yeah. And especially, and especially someone in Starfleet, Every single person on this that ship volunteered because they want training, because they want to be able to help people, because they want to be able to uh, expand the boundaries of research, because they want to be able to 
you know, work on the guts of a starship because they want to be able to do something and they're very good at doing it. And in a way, they are all feeling helpless because they are stuck the fuck in the Delta Quadrant. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the last thing to mention before we move on to Tuvix is uh, just in a, I think, what is becoming a semi-regular feature of the Trek About podcasts on Star Trek Voyager. uh, I'm just going to mention a line at the very beginning of the episode that uh, makes me wonder if the people writing this show um, understand their own show. Uh, I think I I know what line it is. Okay, we'll we'll find out if you're right in a minute. Uh, it, it's when Paris says that Voyager was built for combat performance, like it wasn't. <laughs> it's it was built for long term exploration. It's a Starfleet vessel, and this is Star Trek. Uh, what a weird line. And <laughs> and, and, and pre uh, Dominion War, right? Like the the. Yeah, they 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 got stranded like two years before the Dominion War started. I think a year before anybody even knew the Dominion existed. Hmm. Oh well, so we don't have the Defiant in the world yet. Then, uh, no, the Defiant existed. I mean that that was a that was a prototype that was yeah. designed after. The okay, board. but either so, way, the, yeah, the Defiant was intended to be kind of the first real big, com- you know, just pure combat uh, ship, right? Yeah. Oh well. The line that I thought was uh, when he said to Kim, you know, I know how much you miss Libby because he doesn't. Yeah, that that's also another one <laughs> as well. But yeah, uh, I guess it's nice to see that Harry Kim is practicing his clarinet again. But hey, whatever. Also, that entire scene was apparently written and filmed for another episode. And then they just got cut and recut. They put it in this episode because it's very generic. So there you go. <laughs> um, let's talk about Tuvix. See, now I loved Tuvix. I... Did not expect to, especially based on the very beginning of it, but I think it took kind of a stupid situation, took it very seriously, and went through kind of all the implications of it, and I love when episodes do that. Yeah, I um, I mean, it, it will probably not surprise you that, that Tuvix is, again, one of those episodes. Yeah. It, it is very controversial, I think, as it should be. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I don't like it as much as you seem to i this is an interesting week okay i i think that i admire what they were trying to do but janeway i thought like let's grapple with it i think janeway's fundamental i I think janeway's decision at the end of the episode to to murder execute tuvix uh it, it, it is frankly indefensible and the show has put itself in this position because, of course, uh, Tuvix is not going to stick around because they have, you know, Ethan Phillips and Tim Russ have six-year contracts. Um, but but why does the show paint itself into this corner? Now, I'm not saying it would be better if Tuvix had come to the 11th hour realization that he should die, but it's so harsh and it's so uh uh just indescribably mean i mean i might even say it's evil i i just i don't know what the fuck they were thinking yeah no i i i think this is the then the episode because you told me uh a couple years ago you were rewatching voyager and you said at one point like the show's a lot darker than I remember. Janeway, you know, straight up murders somebody in an episode. And watching this, I was wondering if this was the episode you mentioned. I have no idea if you remember this conversation or not. Uh, I, I vaguely do, surprisingly. Um, yes, I believe it was this episode. Yeah, I, I guess in a lot of ways, this is what this is reminding me is of Captain Kirk's I don't believe in the no win situation, right? Like in. In original series era, even if there were a bunch of really bad options, Kirk was able to see through all of them and go and come up with a third option that would be good, be the best way for everybody. And we, we've seen TNG and uh, DS9 certainly muddy the waters with that a lot, and this is very much a situation where there is good either... Either they have to kill Tuvix or let Tuvok and Neelix be dead. And what kind of moral calculus can must Janeway use if she is using the 
typical Star Trek, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, well then, she has made the right decision by that calculus. And certainly we've seen the waters muddied on that calculus a lot of times, but... I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't agree with you because okay. I, I think needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few in this particular situation is uh, is not applicable. I mean, people talk a lot about how things don't scale, right? Yeah. That, that's kind of a, a trope of, of this decade. And and I think that, that the reverse is true of the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. That is the thing that does scale. Um, I think that when you're talking about a very, very small number of people, one or two or three, I think it's much more difficult to yeah. make that kind of, I don't, I don't think that that's really applicable and I don't think it, it, you know, certainly yes, if you, um, can, can, you know, refuse to save a thousand people to, to save 6 billion. Okay. Yes. Fine. Uh, but in this kind of situation, I don't yeah. think it's applicable at all. It's, it's much more that kind of, oh, well there's two people tied to railroad tracks and you can only save one of them. Like, okay. Like, you know, this is kind of ninth grade, you know, ninth yeah, yeah, grade yeah. philosophy bullshit. And, I think fundamentally, like, I don't think that this episode is really clear about what it's trying to do. And and it does a really, really, really good job of character assassination on Janeway. I, I can't look at Janeway the same way after this episode and say, here is a person that I trust to make the right decision. I mean, what the like, again, I just keep coming back to what the fuck were they thinking? Mm-hmm. Like. It it it's so I can't think of a way to make this episode work, and and certainly it's an interesting idea. And Kenneth Biller does his damnedest; he writes his heart out on this episode. But I I'm I'm at a loss here. I mean, you got to help me. I guess the big question is: Can the show support? us finding her completely dead wrong in this and still dealing with this. I mean, this isn't, you know, we will talk about the doctor, but he essentially, he essentially refuses an order on moral grounds because he feels that this is so wrong. He has, and certainly she's not going to hold him. She's not going to hold that against him, but he's going to hold this against her, isn't he? I mean, well, he's going to he's going to hold it against her, but but he's also going to hold it against himself because he made this possible. Yeah, it's true. Um, it's I mean, I think that's the other that that's the part of the episode that really mm. works for me. Like the, the doctor's yes, undercurrent yes, yes. of of you see in that scene on his face that he realizes what he's done and he has made this moment possible. And and he uh, uh, is is aghast, I think. And. I, you know, the doctor is whatever in this episode. I, I think that, that, you know, he, he's a, a cl- the classic example of the researcher who doesn't yeah. think about the real world human cost of his decisions and his research. And he comes to that realization in this episode and perhaps that will change him in future episodes. I don't know. But I mean, the- yeah, like I, I don't know. I just think that, that. Again, I, I mean, the other part of this, too, of course, is that, like, I keep coming back to the scene on Tuvix on the bridge and nobody stands up for him. I, I just I yeah, don't yeah. believe that. I, you know, everyone is standing around, like, dragging him off to his death and and no one says anything. Jacote doesn't say anything. I mean, come on. Like, you're, you're, it's just. Here's the thing. I, 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 I found Tuvix off putting in some ways partially the makeup job partially it's he does a the the actor does a really good job of being both characters in a really weird way uh that i liked very much and you get the sense that this is almost everybody on the ship doesn't like tuvix quite and they they do find him a little odd and so this is they they are doing the wrong thing in order to get things to the comfortable status quo that they're used to um do we want to deal with this ship having made that decision for those reasons? Yeah. But but also that's not true. Mm. Like that's not what the episode tells us. I mean they have that montage where they say, well, it's been two weeks and Tuvik has proven himself to be an adept cook and an adept tactical <laughs> officer. And I really like having tea and discussing philosophy with him. And, you know, like and, – and so they do like him. 
I mean, I'm with you. I find Tuvix kind of off-putting too, and I think a lot of that has to do with with the the, the actor's choices in the episode. I mean, I don't necessarily. I, there's something creepy about him in a way. And yeah. I, you know, I think a lot of it is the, the the makeup job, but and I think yeah, I don't know. I but I think that like maybe this would have worked better if if well. I don't know. Would it have worked better if, if Voyager had been a show mm. that had taken place under a different sort of uh, television storytelling, uh, uh, you know, uh, modus operandi that Tuvix was in, you know, most of the second season of the show or even a three episode arc yeah. with him or three, yeah, three episode arc or whatever. And then it, there's another episode where the doctor says, hey, I figured out how to separate him and then they have to murder him. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. It does. Sp- and. Well- Sorry, I want to say the montage does give it that sense that maybe that had been the initial at- intention for the for the character. You know, that's something that could have been done over a couple of episodes. And again, the doctor mentions it as a throwaway point, and and this does spiral out. It does give us room for that. It would give us, I I think, the opportunity to have the characters deal with their feelings for him in in in, in a in a in a sharper way but again at the because well because isn't this fundamentally a selfish choice on the part of Janeway yeah I mean she she paints it as oh well Neelix deserves to live and and Tuvok deserves to live um okay sure but the fact of the matter is they're not alive like they're both dead or something and Tuvix is here and he didn't have anything to do with it so is it acceptable to murder him because you want to bring back your buddy? I I just I I'm not finding a lot. I mean, the more I talk about this episode, the more odious I find it. And I've never liked this. Uh I mean, I think it's a really really it's well done because I'm having such a strong reaction to it, but you know, I just, I, I guess I'm of two minds. If I'm viewing this is if I've never seen any Voyager before, if this is just, let's pretend this is a one-off anthology uh, episode. It's a completely different cast of characters. It's all, you know, this, and you have a story that goes into this dark place that has somebody making what might be a wrong decision who has somebody faced with two, unpleasant outcomes and pick picks the one that may be more selfish and personal and short term the better decision but in the long term has created the dark you know if this is all the case and we are left you know with being okay with hating the morality of this character because we're not going to see her again uh does that change the opinion of the episode and i actually think the answer is yes i'm okay with a fucked up ending but you're right. We're going to have to see Janeway in the morning and deal with this. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that you know it, it is the case where you you do have to sort of protect the 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 characters in your television yeah. show. I mean, you you can't unless you're making the kind of show where where you want the characters to be unlikable. Um, I mean, the the perfect example from the last ten years is as a character like Walter yeah. White from from Breaking Bad. Even though a lot of you know men's rights activists have actually taken the exact wrong lessons <laughs> from that show, uh, you know. Uh, Walter White is not the protagonist of that show. Uh, well, he is, but he's also the antagonist. Um, that that you know, you're not supposed to be rooting for him. Uh, that that like, if the show had been doing some sort of weird deconstruction of Star Trek, and and Captain Janeway was a very incompetent yeah. captain that that made questionable moral decisions all the time, like okay, fine, but that's not what this show is, yeah. and. Like I, I, I mean, I want well, to be clear too. Like I think that the show can handle her doing this once, mm. right? Like Captain Picard screws up sometimes, Cisco screws up, Kirk screws up. I mean, that is part of what Star Trek says that that you know uh, people are human and that they're going to make mistakes and that one mistake should not destroy them for the rest of their lives. But we'll have to see if Captain Janeway murders anybody else in the show, but, but it is the case where, and I don't even necessarily think it's Captain Janeway. Again, I just keep coming back to that scene on the bridge where Tufix is essentially begging for his life and no one does anything. And, and if someone had said something, if Paris had said something, if Chakotay had said something, if anyone had said something on the bridge, uh, I think I would be a lot more comfortable with it. The doctor does make his moral stand and that is good for him to do. But well, it, it 
you know, it just it, it it's not enough. I think. Here's the thing: I I know the two people on the ship who would say something, the, who would be the most inclined to say something, would be two Valkyrie Neelix, and they would also be probably two of the people that uh, Janeway would listen to the most. I mean, let, let's not be let let's not forget what the thing that really sways Janeway to this decision is Kess. Kess is the one who who. Remember, uh, Tuvix appeals to her, begs for his life to Kess, and she's the one who goes and she says, you know, I'm supposed to say, you know, save Tuvix, but I miss Neelix so much. And that's really what that that appears to be the thing which is the final waiting in Janeway's decision. And and that's worse. Yeah. I mean, Janeway was essentially swayed by a weepy teenager who missed her boyfriend. Mm. Like... That's not good. I mean, like, no, yeah. you know, she should realize that the Kess is not an impartial observer here. She cannot make this kind of decision. She, you know, and I'm not criticizing Kess in this episode. I mean, Kess is obviously going through a lot of heavy emotional shit, and we'll talk about Kess. But, like, that's not the person and, that you want to essentially make up your mind for you. And also, y- she, y- sorry, this is, number one, this is, this is compromise. This is certainly clashing with the well we're out here and that means we have to follow our principles even more but more importantly the show has set up time and time again voyager will get these false homes voyager will get places that can be okay and that maybe we can do this but no we want to go really home we need to get the real thing and i don't know it it is tuvix the false home or is the restoration uh or or is getting rid of Tuvix like saying we're gonna take the easy way? I I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean I think that's a good question. And and I don't know that the show is aware that that is the question that it's posing either, right? Like because hmm. the other the other part of this too is that Neil, I mean, Tuvix says that he has the memories of Tuvok and Neelix, and it, it it seems fairly clear to me at the end of the episode when Tuvok and Neelix appear again that they were aware of what was going on. They don't seem surprised yeah. to be there, so they do. So they're going to be psychologically damaged by this as well. I mean, they yeah. essentially remember being murdered. Uh, that's not great, and there doesn't seem to be any sort of, uh, uh, you know, Janeway likes to talk a lot about being fair to Neelix and Tuvok. Well, I don't think that she's really grappling with all the yeah. implications of this. And, and, and two, also, I think that the show doesn't know why it's telling this story. I mean, I think that, that like, it would have been pretty facile for the episode to to p- impinge on the idea of okay, well, Tuvix has to come around and decide he wants to be murdered, and you know he's sacrificing himself. I mean, we that we don't need to see that. That's not really interesting. Uh, but then, what is this episode trying to tell us? Right? Like, I think an episode like Death Wish, for example, had a much stronger point of view than this episode. I don't think this episode has a point of view. I feel like this going back to the this is the three to five episode arc or this is a bulk of the second season or whatever would help these because we we're never going to hear anybody mention Tuvix again, are we? Uh, it's not like like next week the three of them are going to, you know, Tuvok, Neelix and Janeway and Kess are all going to sit around and have a very long conversation about this fucked up thing that just happened and – you know, I didn't know what the right decision, and I'm not sure if I made. I was. I mean, it's very clear that Jane Wade doesn't even know if she's making the right decision as she's making it, as she's doing it, and certainly after she's done it. Uh, the longer form version of this story could have devoted an episode towards the four of them get stranded on a planet and then have to deal with the problem, and are and at the same time are dealing with the post Tuvix stuff. That may have been able to give it the the to at least redeem the characters the character in a way of Jane Way and have her have her explain have Tuvok you know if Tuvix isn't here you know Tuvok and Neelix can sort of 
do part of the work of forgiving Janeway for her decision, at least. And again, maybe that would have been the responsible thing to do. Maybe they just weren't able to tell this story yet because this wasn't that type of show yet. Yeah, I, I suppose that might be the case. Well, I, leaving that all aside, then, I mean, I think that that uh, uh, we we do need to grapple with with Cass a little bit more in this episode mm. because she is kind of an Im- Im- impactful part of it. And you know, I don't know that that there's much to say about Tuvix as a character. I mean, he's you know, I mean, you say Cass is kind of a Mary Sue. I think Tuvix is kind of a Mary mm. Sue. Like everybody has to like him, and he has to be really super competent because you know that's the case that we need yeah, to like yeah. him. Um, but, but, you know, he's not going to be a fuck up and like a drunk and get <laughs> into fights and stuff. I mean, <laughs> you know, that might be an interesting episode, but, uh, that's not the episode that we got. He's very jealous um, and boring and he's the worst parts of both of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that might be interesting. Um, I don't know. I fundamentally don't buy Kess's emotional arc in this episode. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is just the fact that we finally do need to grapple with the fact that, that Kess and Neelix, like are in a real relationship and do love each other because, and I think part of it is just like, I don't think that Ethan feel Ethan Phillips and, and Jennifer lean have great chemistry. Mm. Uh, I don't really buy them as a couple and I don't really buy the cast feel so strongly for Neelix. And, and so a lot of the emotional impact of this episode centering on, you know, Kess's loss yeah. of Neelix in this episode just kind of, falls flat for me yeah i i almost think it would have been interesting to have kes realizing that maybe her feelings for neelix per se are slightly shallower than she may necessarily think they are i mean she loves neelix because he cooks for her and he's very nice and he treats her very well most of the time and you know, she respects and admires Tuvok because he's able to teach her and she's learned so much from him. And, and, uh, I mean, it, I would be more interested in this episode suggest dealing with the fact that she finds Tuvix to be everything she likes about the two people combined into one and frankly a better version of both. And what does that say about her feelings for Neelix if she's able to be so? Uh, if she's able to be, do you know what I mean? Like that, that, yeah. that I think might've been a more dir- interesting direction in, instead of her saying, but no, I really miss Neelix because, but as you said, you're right. They don't have great chemistry. They don't live together. They don't, I I, I don't know what their relationship is. Now that's their Yeah, I I don't I everybody's I mean, like, allowed their different relationships, but you know, you're right. It seems like a high school relationship in a lot of ways. Which it, it does. It doesn't seem like they're physically intimate. It doesn't I mean, what what is their future necessarily? I I don't know. Uh and and I think that in a way, I mean, I don't like to go down a road of fixing episodes, but but I'll say one thing about this. I think that if if Cass had come to that realization, if Cass had come to a place of you know what neelix is gone and actually my feelings were kind of superficial and uh now i can go off and have a real adult romance um not with tuvix i'm not saying with tuvix that'd be weird uh that that you know with whoever harry kim i don't know um not tom paris that it would have been a more impactful choice i think for the episode to go in that scene between Kess and Janeway in Janeway's ready room where Kess goes to Janeway, who is sort of grappling with the decision of whether or not to murder yeah. Tuvix and go to him and say, go, go to her and say, you know what? Uh, I have come around to the idea that Tuvix deserves to live. You know, I am sad that Neelix and Tuvok are gone, but we, we, you know, it is not right for us to, to murder Tuvix. He didn't have anything to do with this and have Janeway still make the decision to murder Tuvix. I think that would have been more interesting. And yeah. p- part of, I think what, what that makes me realize is that this episode for as, as starkly just off putting and, 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 uh, uh, angering as it is, it kind of makes like all the standard choices that you think it would make. And that kind of is the most disappointing part of it, I think. Yeah. I mean, and as we're saying this, I'm also thinking of a way you can square the needs of the many and the needs of the few thing, just being that this is a crew with, this is a very tiny crew and 
Tuvix can, is only one person. Tuvok and Neelix were two different people. I mean, I wonder if even there is that kind of an element to this, too. You could put a very practical note to this. You could. I mean, that doesn't see, even really seem to be in the calculus. Yeah, I it's mean, a very cold, j- j- it's yeah. certainly a very cold calculus you need to make. But if the episode wanted to make that point that, you know, we can't always necessarily make these choices based on our emotions. Sometimes you have to make the cold equations. And right now I need a secure I need a security chief and I need the, the morality, the morale officer and. I can't. And the cook. Yeah. No, I think that's right because that, that I, I kind of thought about that as I was watching the episode. Like that is a more, that is a more justifiable reason for murdering Tuvix to me, yeah. weirdly, than, than the episode's actual reason. Because, you know, Janeway in the voiceover says, well, you know, he's become a very adept tactical officer and a very adept chef. And it's like, yeah, okay, but he can't really do both of those jobs every single day for the next 70 years. I mean, be, <laughs> and, being a chef is a full-time job. Tuvok needs a good six hours to cook everything. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and Tuvix also needs to spend eight hours on the bridge. So when is he going to cook? I you know, it just it doesn't doesn't really make any sense to me. Yeah. Uh so yeah, you're right. Like having that be, well, you know what? We actually do we're we're short staffed as it is. We have already had, you know, several crew members die. Uh we can't really lose another one. We're down another person. So we I, I need to get rid of Tuvix because I need Tuvok back and I need Neelix back to do two separate jobs. Yeah. Like there's too much work to do. That makes sense to me. Well good. Um I guess we're actually capitalists. Um so so the last thing I want to mention uh before we wrap uh, uh, this podcast up is um you know I, I as I said in the thaw I, I like to mention when the show uh, apparently doesn't know that it's a Star Trek show um and I I also now want to mention when the show has something that is a very nice moment of attention to detail uh this this entire adventure started out because Tuvok and Neelix both like orchids yeah. the show remembered that and that's why Janeway sent them both to the planet, so that's nice. So the moral of the story is don't like flowers or else this will happen. There's a reason I don't garden. I have a thyme plant, a pepper plant, and a basil plant in my garden, and they're not doing that great. <laughs> we'll just call you Tuvix. All right, well, I think that's it for this episode of Trek About. If you have any thoughts you would like to share, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at trekaboutshow.com. You can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash truckaboutshow, if you would like to financially support Truckabout. And tuning in, we are releasing our episode on the X-Files, Dodd Calm, and Humbug this week on Thursday, so check that out as well. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, truckaboutshow is there. That is our username, truckaboutshow. And as always, please leave us an iTunes review for Truckabout. Next week, Richard, we have done it. <gasps> We are finishing the second of seven seasons of Star Trek Voyager. It feels like these have been very long seasons. Really? I think the second season has felt pretty short, actually. But I am oddly excited to get to Enterprise, and maybe that's just because I... I, I, I maybe that says something about Voyager, but I have a feeling when we're in Enterprise, I will not be so excited. But this is a different story. Uh, yeah, it's a different conversation. Maybe we'll save that for a patron <laughs> special. Oh, <gasps> All right, well, uh, next week we're going to be talking about Resolutions and Basics Part 1. Oh, it's about a bunch of basic dudes.